It's gonna be scary. Not for us. All engine running. Lift off. on Thompson steps right, shoots for the win of three. He got it. Say my first rodeo. To the basket, turns Schroeder around. Russell Westbrook house the three and the lead. You betcha. Covington biggest shot of the game and he hits it. The corner, PJ Tucker. Time to you know, accomplish something together that we haven't accomplished before. We both understand that we have one common goal, and that's to win a championship. So <laughs> let's get it. What's up, and welcome to another episode of Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show at Locked On Rockets, and also the blog at ClutchCityCR. So for today's episode... I'm going to do a little bit of like, I guess not really like a free talk Friday, but one thing that I haven't done a whole lot of, you know, since uh, becoming the host of LOR is I tend to keep things pretty rocket centric, but I want to focus, I want to talk a little bit, you know, later on in the show about uh, game two Celtics uh, heat and just, but I want to do it from a rocket scope as kind of a, um, we'll talk like a wish list, right? Uh, of things that we would like to see out of the next Rockets head coach and some of the the ways that both uh, Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra have handled some of their adjustments, their in-game decision-making, and, and genuinely want to talk about that at some point, you know, probably in segment three. So we'll get there, but first things first, I want to use this first segment and I want to talk a little bit about just the plans, the direction for the show in these coming days and weeks as we're navigating the offseason. So first things first, and I've been wanting to bring this up for a little while, a couple of the other Locked On shows do a pretty unique setup for their mailbag component. Now, I've done a couple mailbags throughout this season and to varying degrees of success. I've done, you know, a couple mailbags solo dolo where it's just me. I've done one with Ben DuBose, I believe, and I think I've done one with Ali Kambijani as well. So, and I've had varying degrees of success and interaction on there, but but here's my thing is my favorite part about this show is interacting with you is interacting with the listeners whether it's you know whether it's interacting on Twitter whether it's you know you guys slide into the DMs whatever it is you know even Instagram Facebook wherever it is I love interacting I, I love answering questions I love you know when, when people pose hypotheticals and then I get to talk about them in the show it's great and that that's my that's one of my favorite parts about doing all this and so what I'd like to do moving forward is I'm going to use this this method for mailbag shows, or not specifically mailbag shows, because uh, you know doing an entire show that is exclusively a mailbag, um, I'm not a huge fan of it. I'd rather just be able to tackle a few questions here and there, depending on you know the volume of questions being asked. And so what we're going to do moving forward is, if you have a question, if you want me to read your question word for word and talk about it in the show, what we're going to do is submit a review. So submit a review on Apple Podcasts, throw the review in there, um, or conversely, if you're not, if you don't use Apple Podcasts to listen to the show, if you use Spotify or Stitcher or another medium to listen, Google Podcasts maybe, if you're using one of those other mediums and you don't use Apple Podcasts, then just drop me a DM. My DMs are open and I do check them. So 
either one of those for future mailbags. So, and the the Apple Podcast one, if you just throw the title as mailbag and then just throw the question in there, what I'll start doing is I'll start checking that on the on a daily basis, as well as you know I check my Twitter DMs and my ats and stuff like that. But sometimes I get you know if I get if you just throw me an at on Twitter, it'll get lost in the sea of notifications for me. But if you throw if you hit me with a DM, I'll see it and it'll sit there um, until I'm able to address it and you know actually open it up and respond or just at least hit the react button and you know say I liked the message or whatever that way you know hey he's seen it um, he should bring it up in in next week's show or to or tomorrow's show whatever it may be so that's the first thing is I want to I want to continue this level of interaction now the second thing is throughout kind of more of the tail end of the season I started playing around and doing more uh, live content you know trying to do a couple you know halftime shows here and there a pregame show podcast uh, Basically, uh, with you know, uh, I guess produced or not produced, presented by Clutch City Control Room, not specifically Locked On, but still just a lot of live content. And then we did some live Locked On Rocket shows as well. And I want to know, I want to hear from you. Do you like that content? Because if you don't, if you're not a big fan of the content, then I won't go out of my way to continue, you know, trying to do some live content here and there. But if you really like that element, that vehicle for delivering content if you appreciate being able to have you know a once you know once a week one you know on a you know Thursday night or something 8 p.m. you know we can pick a regular time i can you know go on social media we can make a poll and we can kind of walk through it and say okay What's the best time for everybody if we were going to do a live show where you could, you know, tune in live with me and probably a guest or two and, and you know, we can just talk Rockets hoops, we can talk NBA at large, uh, we can, you know, submit questions, all that kind of stuff, uh, you know, trying to find out what the best night is for everybody's schedule to be able to do something like that. Because I'd like to be able to do that because, again, that, that provides another element, another layer to this dynamic where instead of it's just me sitting here with my microphone speaking into the void, which is my usual setup, I get to interact. And, you know, I get to see, you know, your questions in real time and answer them. Um, and that's, again, one of my favorite parts of doing this. And a couple more things. So, th so those are kind of uh, having to do with, you know, content and how we're, how I'd like to potentially continue to interact with you guys. Now, a couple of other things that we're going to do moving forward is ne starting next week, we'll do kind of season in review type content. So I'll revisit um, players one at a time, kind of walk back through their season. We'll look at, you know, areas where they really thrived this year, areas where they struggled, areas we'd like to see improvement moving forward. And we'll also kind of rolled into that. I mentioned it before a couple times, but, you know, and I think the last time I mentioned it was when we actually had Tim, the founder of B-Ball Index, on the show to help preview Rockets Lakers. And B-Ball Index has these really in-depth, really amazing player profile charts that they've come up with. And it's got so much tracking data and really interesting statistics involved in there that I want to bring those up. And I'll probably roll those player profiles that they have into the season in review uh, episodes for each individual player. So eventually we'll do a James Harden season review, a Russell Westbrook season review, uh, you know, Daniel House Jr., Eric Gordon, etc. And... As we bring those season review episodes to the forefront, I'll roll in those B-Ball Index player profiles because I think they're so unique and so interesting, and I just hadn't had a chance to talk about them 
in you know any previous episodes just because it, it constantly felt like you know we're doing recaps and we're doing previews and just everything's so quick hitting in succession during the season especially during the playoffs where you're really just wanting to talk about and analyze the actual games going on so now that we're in the off season we've got you know a bit of a break in content you know the schedules you know a lot more opened up we'll be able to get to those as well as continuing the rockets trade target tuesday so there's that as well so same concept as the mailbags right if you have a trade suggestion Submit it. You know, submit a review. Obviously, hopefully, when you submit those reviews, hit me with the five stars. I would appreciate it. But, you know, same thing. So submit the review, drop me your trade proposal there, or just DM me the trade proposal because it's a lot easier for me to keep track of all those than it is, you know, if there's, if, if people are just randomly adding me, you know, Tuesday morning, 8 a.m., and then, you know, Monday night at 11 p.m., it's just harder to keep track, keep it all organized. So just wanted to start this show off just by kind of providing those updates, talking about those things. Um, coming up in just a moment, I do want to talk about um, some reporting about the Rockets head coaching vacancy, as well as, like I mentioned, I do want to talk about uh, Celtics Heat Game 2 and just kind of uh, you know some wish list thoughts for the Houston Rockets moving forward, and we'll get there in just one moment. And we're back here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. If you're not already doing so, do me a huge favor and do the show a huge, do yourself a huge favor and hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to this podcast, hit the subscribe button. That way you get the show immediately rather than having to wait for me to go on, you know, jump on social media and say, hey, the show's out again. You know, you just get it as soon as I publish it to Megaphone, it's all there and then bam, it hits your phone, you get the little pop-up notification, the little bloop and then it's there. Um, so as mentioned, talk, I want to talk a little bit about the Rockets head coaching vacancy and just a little bit of, in a way, some like kind of sideways reporting by Mark Stein. So apparently Stein, you know, is reporting that JVG is being considered by the Houston Rockets. But there was a, I guess in this article, there's an anonymous executive basically saying that James Harden wouldn't want to play for Jeff Van Gundy because Van Gundy is going to want to, you know, really, I guess, increase the workload for the Rockets organization, and he's going to want to, like, practice every day. And and I kind of, like, first off, I think everybody needs to mentally prepare for all these anonymous executives who are going to be coming out chiming in to not just the Rockets head coaching search, but head coaching searches and vacancies across the league. It seems like every, every well, not every summer, I can't, I've done this multiple times now where I want to say every summer, and you know what? Screw it. I'm sticking with it. It's still summertime. Whatever. Every offseason, fine. Every offseason, it feels like, you know, geez, just these these anonymous sources come come creeping out, and they want to chime in, you know, about, about players and about what, and, and I feel like none of them really ever truly matter. At the end of the day, you know, if if somebody is reporting from an anonymous source that oh James Harden, you know, should uh, he should really be you know requesting a trade and probably a trade out to out to an Eastern Conference team, you know, whatever anonymous executive is saying that is just because he wants James Harden on his sorry ass Eastern Conference team. All right, so it's not necessarily. I think everybody should take everything that they hear or see with a grain of salt, and that's why I'm t- like thinking about James Harden. In what world would James Harden be opposed to practicing, right? I know that's kind of, that was Mike D'Antoni's thing is he kind of uh, over time eliminated, you know, practices and, and and shooter and, you know, ideally focused strictly on like shoot arounds and things like that. So, I mean, but James Harden is the guy who immediately after games, he like 
jump you know jumps into the weight room right after games right he's he is a hooper through and through the man loves basketball so I, I don't understand what this you know this anonymous executive's idea is of oh well Harden wouldn't want to put in the work doesn't want to uh doesn't want to practice no like where is that coming from so I think it's just that's kind of a baseless rumor and I just wanted to throw that out there because we're going to be seeing a lot of those we're going to be seeing all the you know top tier you know writers journalists columnists all the you know national media talking heads everybody's going to be talking about this until a decision is officially made and a head coach is hired and we're going to hear rumors left and right we're going to hear so and so doesn't want to play with this person this person doesn't fit for these reasons all that stuff this isn't, and this also isn't me just turning around trying to defend my my uh, blank check pick of JVG and Alvin Gentry. Um, I think there's a number of great potential head coaches. I just liked that idea of JVG and Alvin Gentry as a duo together when I spoke about it with Ben Dubose. But just I again, I wanted to kind of address this because I, I saw it uh, online. I, you know, I read the the piece from the article and I was like, eh, I'll, I'll talk about it for a minute. So there's that. Now, I do want to get into some of the Rockets wish list stuff really quick. And to me, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about some of this before, about some of the, you know, the pieces that this team is potentially missing and, you know, how to go about acquiring them, whether, you know, whether it be in a trade, whether Eric Gordon is even a Houston Rocket next season, whether Daniel House is a Rocket next season. And if I were to kind of list out a Rockets wish list, you know, of how I'd like this offseason to go, not including the head coach. And, and that's that's the tough one because the head coaching thing is, you know, so intricate and it's going to be the first domino to fall ideally before any other roster changes are made. But that being said, I think that looking at this team and how it's built, how it's structured, and where we saw success this past season, five-out spacing is a necessity offensively. And I think any head coach they bring in, they're not going to bring in a coach who's going to suddenly be like, we need a big who can play out of the post and we're going to teach Russell Westbrook to shoot threes or I, I don't know. They're not going to change away from the five-out spacing dynamic because let's look at let's look at the the teams that are the four remaining teams in the playoffs right now. Let's look at their their current roster setups, right? Their centers all can play five-out spacing. Like Bam Adebayo, maybe not all the way out to the three-point line, but you know they run their offense through Bam quite often. Quite often, uh, Daniel Tice has range all the way out to the three-point line. Nikola Jokic all the way out to the three-point line. The Lakers are a bit of a unique situation with Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee normally running at the five, but Anthony Davis can play all the way out to the three-point line. The idea, though, is that these all these teams all have basically four shooters or potentially five shooters, plus one you know, one player in the starting lineup who isn't, I guess, a shooter, somebody who does play inside. And for the Houston Rockets, that player is Russell Westbrook, which means that the five on the team, so currently P.J. Tucker, needs to be able to stretch, stretch the floor and play five out offensively to allow Russ to continue to have that space to operate and to be the best version of himself, to be the efficient January-February Russ. However, I don't know about playing small ball for a full 82-game season. I just don't. Even if the Rockets bring back Jeff Green, and even if Jeff Green and P.J. Tucker are able to kind of split the load at the five spot, I think that we've seen the this version of the Rockets be exposed a bit with the 3 and D role players who are, you know, they're excellent defensively, they're excellent at shooting threes, and then they just can't do much else past that, and it, it gets kind of painful to watch. 
And thinking about, you know, a team that would essentially, and defensively, right, you know, it's such a grind, it's so grueling on a nightly basis to have to play that that intense style of basketball and trying to, imagining them playing it, an older veteran team playing that brand of basketball for an entire 82-game season, I don't know if it's going to bode well for them. So, first thing on my wish list is a legitimate 6'9", 6'10", stretch five. And there's a few of those out there. There's there's some that are possible, you know, maybe accessible, um, you know, for the Rockets. There's you know, Aaron Baines is the first guy that really jumps to mind. Uh, Serge Ibaka, who's a free agent, you know, chances of him leaving the Raptors slim to none. But you know, potentially maybe there's an offer out there. Maybe there's a sign and trade situation. Who knows? There's a lot of possibilities, and a lot of things are just up in the air. But that is my first thing on my Rockets wish list is a 6'9", 6'10", legitimate with some size, stretch five, so that the Rockets don't have to play a full year, an entire season of small ball. And then past that first item on the wish list, second item on the wish list is going to be another, and it's it's tough to just say, oh, just go get another 3 and D wing, but I think that Eric Gordon is more than likely going to be flipped because the Rockets are going to be right up against the luxury tax again this upcoming season. And so I'm picturing Eric Gordon being flipped for another player. It needs to be a rotation quality player, but that player needs to be a a wing with a bit more size than Eric, somebody who isn't as, you know, at much, what am I trying to say? isn't at as much of a disadvantage as Eric is guarding opposing fours and fives on switches. So another legitimate wing, you know, six, seven, six, eight, um, can space the floor and is it, you know, an adequate defender. And that should be the target in, in any potential Eric Gordon trade. And so that would be wish list item number two, because chances are Eric Gordon is probably, is probably gone. And the Rockets are maybe using Daniel House Jr. as a sweetener in a potential Eric Gordon deal to get him out the door. So my wish list item number three is actually not even a player. It is just, I hope that James Harden can figure out whatever's going on with Daniel House Jr. and that they can repair their relationship. Because it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what Maury thinks. It doesn't matter what the new head coach thinks. None of that matters. All that matters is what Harden thinks. And if Harden wants Daniel House to be here again next season, Daniel House is going to be here. He's a good player. He's a young guy. He made a really bad mistake. And that doesn't change the fact that he is on a steal of a contract and is absolutely a starting quality forward, the ideal type of forward that you would want next to James Harden and Russell Westbrook, a true blue 3 and D wing who can also put the ball on the floor, play above the rim a little bit, is aggressive, you know, driving to the basket, has shown throughout the season a little bit of playmaking chops, it would suck to have to get rid of him because of this one, you know, really atrocious decision that he made in the bubble. So that's my wish list item number three is, you know, to, to actually have Daniel House be on the team next year and not have to ship him out just because of the really stupid decision that he made in the bubble. So coming up here, final segment, I will actually kind of, sort of continue the wish list idea, although the wish list is now going to slightly transform into just some elements of the, you know, of Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra's, uh, you know, in-game adjustments and decision-making and things like that that we would like to see out of the next Rockets head coach. So I want to talk about Celtics heat in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at Built Bar. It's time to start checking out Built Bar. And here's why, right, is 
if you maybe you've never you know never been a protein bar kind of person, or maybe you have tried some protein bars in the past and they've just eh, they're not they're not quite to your liking. Built Bar isn't going to be like that. These it's because these protein bars are basically candy bars. They they are covered in 100% chocolate. They've got a bunch of amazing different flavors: raspberry, German chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, double chocolate mousse. My personal favorite. You just can't go wrong with it. They're basically candy bars. They're soft. They're easy to chew. They're not chalky or grimy like other certain protein bars are. And, and look, they're great for the health conscious person, whether you're trying to lose or even just maintain weight while indulging in basically a, a little like dessert, a delicious treat, right? They're low cal, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing. I'm telling you, amazing for a keto diet. Each of the bars, they've got anywhere from you know 17, 16, 17 to 19 grams of protein in every single bar. And you can check it out right now. If you go to builtbar.com and use promo code locked on, you'll get $10 off your next order. So again, that's promo code locked on for $10 off at builtbar.com. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for all things Houston Rockets basketball. To stay up to date with the show, be sure to follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin and, of course, the show at Locked on Rockets. And if you'd also like to check out the blog that I started a couple months back, check out at Clutch City CR. We've got a bunch of amazingly talented contributors over there doing a couple different podcast shows, one for the University of Houston, another Rockets podcast as well. Um, you know, it's kind of this melting pot collection of voices. So definitely check that out as well as some digital content being made over there. Definitely please go check that out. So for this final segment, I want to talk Celtics heat and just from the coaching standpoint and just looking at how these teams are organized within the flow of a game. There have been so many, there were so many moments throughout this season where I'd catch myself thinking, okay, it's the end of the quarter, you know, or it's the end of the quarter or, you know, nearing the end of regulation, like where's the, where's the substitutions, right? Like, you know, where, where's a, you know, okay, the other team is, is subbing in, you know, a, a couple of their best players at the end of the half to try and get one more shot off, one more good look before halftime. Um, or maybe a team is making defensive adjustments. One of the things that we never really saw from MDA was adjustments made specifically down the stretch of games for, and I think it's, it's like the it's it's adjustments that are made in in the flow of okay offense defense right like okay we're gonna plug in you know a slightly better offensive player for a couple possessions and then we're gonna you know quickly flip that player and put in a defensive player for a couple possessions and I'm not and I'm not just talking at the end of the game right because one of the first things that should come to mind is you know plugging in uh, Tyson Chandler and and you know losing on a on a buzzer beating three because Tyson was just you know not lined up in front of the inbounder uh, properly against the Utah Jazz so there's that uh, but and that what that would be an example of one of those like you know, adjustments that I would have liked to see more often because that makes sense, right? Put Tyson on the inbounder. He's a player on your bench. Utilize him or potentially, you know, at the end of a close game when you need to secure a a, a, a rebound on a potential free throw miss, put Tyson Chandler in rather than having to rely on P.J. Tucker and James Harden to get the rebound over legitimate bigs. It's little things like that that were so aggravating and would, you know, send me up a wall watching the Rockets play and watching these decisions being made by Mike D'Antoni. So let's fast forward to Celtics Heat, and it was so great to watch 
Brad Stevens and Eric Spolstra make these in-game adjustments on the fly just so quickly, whether it be, okay, you know, we're, we are, we've got a couple more possession, you know, we've got a couple offensive possessions here. We're going to throw in Duncan Robinson, right? Let's run and let's throw him in and let's run an immediate couple plays for him. And, and the best part was, is he knew like watching, because Duncan Robinson, it was it was near the uh, it was in the third quarter when the Heat were making their gigantic run to to kind of uh, get back into the game to take a, a you know to take a lead, and after trailing you know significantly in this game, and Duncan Robinson's in the game gets checked out immediately, and I guess you know Spolster must have told him, hey, you're going right back in or something, because Duncan Robinson was literally just standing over there at the bench, you know, hadn't even bothered sitting down or toweling off or anything like that, and like. Two possessions later, gets subbed back into the game and hits another three at the end of the quarter. And it's it's moments like that where, you know, Spolster wanted to, you know, sub offense, defense, and just wanted to utilize the, you know, the get the most out of his players. And I look to, you know, guy, you know, and trying to compare that to, to things on the Rockets roster, right? Again, this is kind of wish listy out of the next head coach. But you look at a guy like Ben McLemore, right? Who his strengths are not playing defense. Now, he he has been better. He was much better in the bubble and much better in the playoffs than I think people, myself included, you know, should give him or were giving him credit for leading into the bubble. His defense wasn't nearly as bad. And offensively, he's your best three-point shooter. He is your most lethal three-point shooter, and the idea that he didn't play hardly at all this postseason until Daniel House Jr. was, you know, ejected from the bubble makes no sense. Because you can plug him in, you can run a few plays for him, and if he hits his first few shots, great. If he doesn't, then you pull then you pull him back out in favor of a player who is, you know, more well-rounded and yeah, yeah, maybe not as much of a lethal three-point shot offensively, but somebody who gives you a bit more on the defensive side of the ball. And that's the thing that I've never understood with MDA is it it didn't feel like he had the ability to, I guess, chess match with opposing coaches. And that's the that's the you know the in-game adjustments portion of MDA's coaching that a lot of people, you know, had issues with, myself included, is you know, when it came to, okay, let's let's match this player with this player, let's match this person's minutes with this person's minutes. It it never really felt like that was MDA's forte, that he just he trusts his guys. He would trust his starting lineup. He wasn't really, he's not the type of coach to ride the hot hand. How many times have we seen a player have a really, really good game and then still get yanked at the end of the game in favor of MDA reverting to the starting lineup? Think about times where we've seen Austin Rivers or Ben McLemore having themselves a night and then they get pulled just because MDA wants to go back to Russ, James, uh, Eric, Rocco and Tucker at the end of the game. It, it's happened far too many times. And so I'm hopeful that the next head coach coming in, this is my wish list, is that the next head coach coming in is is better when it comes to the in-game adjustments, as well as trusting the group of players that are on the court getting the job done. Credit and we're gonna we're gonna throw it way back right now, right? Credit to Kevin McHale and the Rockets game six, you know, the Rockets game six heroes, Corey Brewer, Josh Smith, Jason Terry, you know, that lineup of guys that got it done in game six against the Clippers back when the Clippers blew their first 3-1 lead against the Houston Rockets, you know, years ago, is Kevin McHale benched James Harden. Kevin McHale left James Harden on the bench because the guys that were out there were the guys that had the chemistry flowing and were able to actually take over the game and get the Rockets back into it and get them the lead. And there's something to be said for just 
when a group of guys start gelling on the court, it's it's almost like the hot hand phenomenon, right? There's certain phenomena in basketball that can't be explained by analytics or by stats, and it's just genuinely, if you've ever hooped, if you've ever picked up a basketball, you feel it, right? You feel the, you know, when you've got the hot hand, you feel when when you and the other guys on the court, uh, you know, are clicking. And so in moments like that, I feel like if, if Mike D'Antoni had been the head coach during that run, as soon as the run was, you know, as soon as they were back into the game, James Harden would have been checked back in at his usual, you know, eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter, and maybe we don't get a historic, you know, 3-1 Rockets comeback in that situation. And so that's that's one of the elements where just thinking about having an entire roster of guys, you know, of, of you know, 11 to 12 playable guys, and having different guys for different situations, right? Maybe, the, you know, Ben McLemore is is kind of the Rockets, uh, you know, three-point specialist, essentially. He's their designated sharpshooter, so maybe there's situations where you need that spacing, you need him, and then there's other situations, other games, other, you know, defensive schemes where he's not as crucial, where having, you know, having a more well-balanced team out there where defense is the priority over the shooting offensively, um, depending on how another team is guarding James or Russ, then maybe Ben McLemore misses misses time in that game because somebody else is more important. Maybe if the Rockets go back to a situation where they do have a legitimate big, a legitimate you know six nine, six ten, six eleven center who is also spacing the floor offensively, maybe there's a game where that person, you know, that player gets more burn because the opposing team has bigger players themselves. Or then you flip that around, maybe that player gets no time on a game where you're playing against, you know, a team like the Boston Celtics or the Miami Heat, where their version, they are kind of playing small ball with Daniel Tice, who's only six foot eight, you know, a bit more athletic than PJ Tucker, but still six foot eight Daniel Tice is, is the Celtics center. Or six nine Bam Adebayo, who is considered undersized for a center, but is still bigger than you know PJ Tucker is. So those two teams kind of play a brand of small ball or almost positionless basketball, but they just don't, you know, they don't pride themselves on a uh, switch everything scheme like the Rockets do. They have a really strong team defense. And that's gonna be my final wish list topic is genuinely I want to move away from switch everything defense. That's going to be my hot take is I hope whichever coach comes into the Rockets next moves away from switch everything defense because I feel like it is it can be really good at times and other times it feels like it leads the team very susceptible to easy switches especially for star players. We saw LeBron James and Anthony Davis pretty much get any switch they want and continue to torch the Rockets. And I feel like, you know, again, watching the Celtics, watch, and especially the Heat, watching the Heat especially, you know, fight over picks, fight over screens, you know, stay with their man, and and watching their rotations, being able to help pick up drives, watching Bam Adebayo kind of clog up the lane defensively, I miss that. I miss defense that looked like that, and the idea that the Rockets could potentially be moving away from that is is exciting. Because again, the switch everything is fun, and, and it and it it does have its its advantages, but I feel like it has more disadvantages than it does advantages, and I think that's where I'm going to leave that at. I'm not going to die because I don't have any numbers in front of me. This is strictly almost hot take BS eye test, but I would like a head coach to come in and instill a more traditional version of defense. So that the Rockets aren't as you know targeted, because then w- when you do have players out there like 
you know, a Ben McLemore or like an Austin Rivers type who can be, um, you know, taken advantage of either down low in the post or just one-on-one defensively because they're not as good as the other, you know, other handful of guys that are out there on the court, then you run into some issues because what do you do then? If you have to abandon the switch everything scheme and try to not allow the switch to be forced, then you have situations where other guys are going to get open. And I, I think we saw a lot of that, a lot of LeBron and Anthony Davis taking advantage of that during the Lakers series. So that's my final wish list item. And that's going to be where we wrap up today's show. So with that, thank you so much for listening. And we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.